Chapter One of My Travels of Family Story. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pamela Nagami. My Travels of Family Story by Maria Hackett. Chapter One. Traveling nearly half a century ago, Recollections of Scenes and Places. Slavery in Brazil, an encounter with pirates. It has been my lot during a life of sixty-eight years to have met with some startling adventures, visited many places, and traveled around the world at a time when traveling with the best accommodations meant hardship, when steamboats were unknown, and life on shipboard a dreary imprisonment. Many persons may have traveled more than I, Many may have met with more adventures and be better qualified to give entertaining descriptions of their experiences, but few, and especially ladies, can have had such varying fortunes, such happiness and trouble and care as I have met with. I trust that my readers will be interested in the following recital, and that they will make due allowances for the rambling character of the sketches. On the 30th day of April, 1828, Immediately after my marriage, I sailed from Cork, Ireland with my husband on board the good ship Coronet, Captain Daniels, bound for Hobart Town, Van Diemen's Land, a pleasant little bridal tour of 18,000 miles. We had some 34 cabin passengers made up of the usual number of good and ill-natured people, all of whom were assessed the large price of $400 the trip with the privilege of furnishing or paying for one's provisions. To select provisions for a six-month's voyage was a task which housekeepers can readily imagine and was a serious drain on one's purse. There was the usual amount of seasickness for the first few days, although the weather was very fine, and in eight days we arrived at the Canary Islands. Shortly after, we sighted the peak of Tenerife, and on the 10th of May, we landed at Funchal, the capital of Madeira. On account of the great surf, the passengers had to be taken on shore on the backs of the sailors, and the ladies being treated precisely the same way, the landing was anything but dignified. We were surprised to see so many English people in bad health, many of them being in the last stages of consumption, but on account of the mildness of the climate, it had long been the resort of those who from lung disease were obliged to leave their native land. My husband fortunately understood the language, and we added a large quantity of wines and fruits to our stock on board ship. The best quality of Madeira wine was then 14 cents per bottle, burgundy 5 cents a bottle, and fruit very cheap. Vehicles called palanquins, some carried by men and some drawn by oxen were the common mode of conveyance. We soon set sail for Ascension, a wild, rocky, miserable place in the middle of the ocean. It is an English settlement, and all ships stop there for water. We availed ourselves of the opportunity to add turtles to our stock of provisions, and for many days our first course was turtle soup. On leaving Ascension we passed through shoals of fish, so thick as to somewhat retard the speed of the vessel, and also encountered large numbers of flying fish. On the 18th of August we landed at Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, one of the finest harbors in the world. 
There were at that time twenty-four line of battleships, twelve French and twelve English, all at anchor, besides many vessels from different nations. It was really a splendid sight. While passing through the harbour we were hailed by the captain of one of the men-of-war, who inquired through a speaking-trumpet if there were any passengers from Cork on board. Our captain answered, yes, saying Mr. and Mrs. Hackett and the Reverend William H. Brown, a Protestant minister, were among the number. A boat was immediately lowered, and Captain Hayden came on board. He proved to be a particular friend of mine, whom I had not seen for years, and invited my husband and me to his house at Bochaforga, where he treated us with the greatest kindness. Rio is not a particularly desirable place in which to live. It is intensely hot, very little fresh meat, no ice, no potatoes or vegetables except yams, something like sweet potatoes. Pineapples were abundant and oranges, luscious and large, made up in a way for the scanty supply of vegetables. We tried three of the best hotels, and at last sat down to a regal repast of dry bread and tea, without milk, which was the best fare that could be got. Bananas, pomegranates, and limes were very plentiful. The oranges were so large that the juice of one would fill an ordinary-sized tumbler, and they could be bought for about six cents a dozen. The lemon and orange groves were beautiful, and we frequently walked through them enjoying the fragrance. The most revolting sight possible to conceive was the slave market, and the condition of the negroes was positively awful, yoked up like oxen and a driver following with a cruel-looking whip, slashing them at every step. No one has ever seen in the United States such dreadful horrors as was the everyday routine of Rio. The slave ships were packed with young and old of both sexes in a nearly nude state, and once a day they were brought on deck, standing so close together they could scarcely move, and buckets of water were dashed on them to keep them clean. A slave's life was of no more value than a dog's, and no punishment was inflicted on any one who killed a slave. Thank fortune slavery has passed away, and no more shall we see such barbarity exercised toward our fellow men. The meat generally used in Rio was sold by the yard and was called carnesia, or dried beef. It was cut in thongs and was as disagreeable to the taste as to the eye. The streets were very narrow and the houses very high, many of them being at least seven stories. The more respectable the inhabitants, the higher up they lived, and some of them must have been very high-toned indeed. We passed through one street devoted entirely to jewellers' shops, and the exhibition of silver, gold, and jewels was marvellous. Society was badly demoralized. No lady could walk the streets unaccompanied without being insulted, and the semi-nakedness of the slaves was startling to European eyes. During our stay of two weeks, while our vessel was being overhauled and painted, we had audiences with Dona Maria de Gloria, Queen of Spain, and also the Emperor of Brazil. We visited at odd times Captain Hayden's home. His youngest child, then a babe, was nursed by a slave, and eight slaves were in attendance while the baby was getting its usual morning bath. I saw that baby afterwards in Ireland, a full-grown man. His sister was married to the Duke of Wellington's nephew. We bade adieu to our friends at the end of two weeks and started again on our weary way. 
we took on as a passenger at Rio a mysterious personage, a Jew, who furnished food for any quantity of conjecture and gossip. He was known as Mr. Sloman. He boasted of his riches, showed large and beautiful jewels to the admiring eyes of the lady passengers, and declared that he had four thousand pounds in sovereigns in his trunk. He was placed in the same stateroom with the Reverend Mr. Brown, much to the disgust of the latter who complained bitterly of the cries, groans, and curses that emanated from the stranger's berth every night. We all strongly suspected that murder or some other terrible sin was on his conscience from the way he acted and his ravings during his broken sleep. Before leaving Rio, we heard many reports about pirates who infested the equator at that time and who perpetrated the most bloody deeds. It was but a month before that the ship Cumberland from Australia was boarded by a pirate, the ship scuttled, and every soul on board marched over the side of the vessel at the point of the bayonet. The recital of this horrible outrage had anything but a quieting effect on us. We were all in constant terror lest our ship should meet with a similar fate, and our horror and consternation can be imagined when one day the man on the lookout descried at eight o'clock in the morning a piratical-looking craft bearing down on us. End of chapter 1